1993, the world was shocked when allegations of child molestation came to light against Michael Jackson. Overnight, the king of pop went from being the world's most popular entertainer to one of the most notorious pedophiles in history. Tabloids competed to run the most horrific, sensational headlines imaginable, while talking heads opined endlessly about his guilt. For the general public, the message was clear. Michael Jackson was undeniably guilty. Once again, the media proved that the only thing it loves more than creating a star is watching one fall. These allegations followed Jackson the rest of his life, and even after. However, a closer look at the facts of the case reveals a much different story than the one we've been told. Tonight, we'll discuss the side of the story that the media neglected. Hello, and welcome to Fact and Suspicion. I'm your host, Ben, here with my co-host, Dan. And tonight, we will be discussing the allegations against Michael Jackson. So, usually when we discuss a case, one of us presents the evidence to the best of our understanding, and we let the audience reach their own conclusions. In other words, we try to maintain a certain level of neutrality where possible. But that won't be the case in this series. I'm specifically selecting cases where I think there has been a rush to judgment by the public. I genuinely believe that Michael Jackson is innocent. I think the evidence is overwhelming, and my goal is to convince you that I'm right. I'm advocating for a particular position, and just want to be clear about that up front. Also, this will be another multi-parter. We decided that covering these accusations in any real detail would require us to split them into multiple episodes. I'm hoping it won't take more than two, but I can't make any promises. And with that out of the way, I think we should just get started. I guess we have a bit of a trigger warning in this too for anyone who, you know, really with child abuse, it's, it is pretty triggering. Yeah, and, and there's I mean, some, there's some pretty graphic details we'll be going through, so keep that in mind. Yeah, well, those allegations were, were pretty graphic and specific, so. Yeah. I'm going to cover the allegations against Jackson in chronological order, which works out well because that means I can start with the alleged victim most people believe to be the most credible, and that's Jordan Chandler. And this widespread belief is due almost entirely to the highly publicized settlement Jackson eventually reached with the family. But, as usual... The media omitted a number of important details here, which we'll get to a bit later. For now, though, let's start from the beginning, when Michael first met the Chandlers. Now, just to be clear, this is chronological as far as the allegations came out. Right. Because if I'm not mistaken, um, the abuse of of some of these boys was supposed to have taken place before the abuse of, of Jordy yeah, Chandler, it's, right? Yeah, it's chronological in the order that they were reported on in the media. Right, right. So we'll start with Jordan Chandler and then cover the uh, Gavin Orviso trial in 2005. And then we'll discuss um, the the allegations made in the Leaving Neverland documentary. Okay. So in May of 1992, Michael's car broke down in Los Angeles. 
and he contacted a car rental service owned by a man named David Schwartz, who was the stepfather of Jordan Chandler. Now, Jordan was a huge fan of Michael's, so Schwartz offered Michael a deal. He'd provide his services for free if MJ would agree to call Jordan. Michael agreed, took down Jordan's number, and left. A couple days later, he made good on his promise and phoned Jordan. He ended up forming a friendship with the boy as well as with his sister Lily and their mother June, and kept in fairly regular contact with them while touring. He would call them about once a month or so, and, and just to be clear, June herself says that she was present for every single phone call. You know, that has got to be overwhelming for, you know, a pretty normal L.A. family, right? Yeah, no question. I cannot imagine, because Michael Jackson was probably the most famous person on the planet On at the, the planet, yeah. I mean, yeah. the only other person who came close in 93 was Michael Jordan, and his popularity was mostly confined to the United States. Yeah, I, just, I can't imagine, you know, being like, how old was Jordy at the time? Eight or nine? I believe he was nine at the time. Yeah, getting a call from this, you know, superstar at the time, that would be really insane. Yeah, no question. Now, over the next several months, the Chandlers became a regular part of Michael's life. On top of repeated visits to Neverland Ranch, Michael took the family on a number of all-expenses-paid trips. He flew them out to Las Vegas for his show and put them up at the Mirage. He took them to Monaco for the World Music Awards, and then on a three-day vacation in Paris where they visited Euro Disney. And it wasn't just lavish trips either. Michael basically became part of the family. When he was in town, he would routinely join them for dinner and sometimes even stay the night. Uh, June would wash his clothes for him. He was with them so often that the media began referring to them as Michael's secret family. Now, Jordy's dad was not a part of all this, right? He, the, not the yet. The parents are divorced? Yeah, they were divorced, and he was not part of this yet. Like He didn't go on the trips with him and, and such. Right, right, okay. He was mostly, as we'll discuss later, a bit. Of, he was a bit of an absentee father. Yeah, that's what I thought. I was just trying to clarify. I wasn't positive on that one. Right. Honestly, that's exactly what I have next in my notes. We were just about to get to Jordan Chandler, okay, so... So, it's around this time that Jordan's biological father, Evan Chandler, joins the story. Despite being, as I mentioned, a bit of an absentee parent for years, he suddenly decided to be a father, which, you know, I'm sure had nothing to do with his son's recent acquaintance with a billionaire. Evan was a dentist with aspirations of being a screenwriter and just didn't have much time for Jordan prior to Michael's arrival. I think he was probably pretty jealous or just wanted some of that money. Well, we're, we're going to get to that. In fact, there's there's good evidence that it's both. Um, oh, and just a bit of a bit of a trivia here. I say he was an aspiring screenwriter. He actually did. Uh, he does actually have a writing credit on a pretty popular 90s movie, which was uh, Robin Hood Men in Tights. Oh, yeah, that, that was pretty funny. I like yeah, it. Uh, Mel Brooks, who produced it, was a uh, patient of his. Okay, well, he should have had, you'd think he'd have some money then if he was trading, you know, famous Hollywood directors and actors, right? Uh, I, I suppose so, but as we'll discover, he wanted more. So if his sudden interest in his son was the first red flag, 
Then the second, I would say, is that it was only eight days after meeting Michael that Evan first decided Jordan was being molested. And his explanation for his suspicions don't really make much sense. Uh, For example, he claimed that Michael buying Jordan toy soldiers somehow indicated sexual abuse because apparently Jordan was too old to be playing with toy soldiers. That's a really strange observation to make, I think. And I don't necessarily think that, you know, nine years old is too old to be playing with toy soldiers either. But Yeah, I mean, I agree completely. And that's not even the oddest observation he makes, actually. So at one point, he told June that he was afraid Jordan might be gay. And June told him that she didn't think so, but, you know, wouldn't mind if he were. And somehow, Evan interpreted this as June admitting that Jordan and Michael were in a relationship and that it was okay. That, now, that seems reaching. Well, I mean, it's, it's beyond reaching. I mean, I suppose to some degree, it's probably, it probably has to do with just the general attitude towards homosexuality at the time. But even then, it doesn't really explain that Herculean leap in logic. I don't think so, but I, I'm, not, I'm not ready to write it off yet. I mean, he could just be a, a very paranoid father, I suppose. Uh, yeah, I think that's fair, at least at this point. But here's where the jealousy we mentioned starts. Um, by this point, it's important to understand that Evan was extremely jealous of Michael's relationship with his children. Um, he didn't want much to do with his kids, but he was still infuriated by the notion that they'd rather spend time with another man than with him. So when Jordan refused to call him on Father's Day, which, by the way, his father demanded that he do, he took this as proof that Michael was destroying his family. And I mention this because it's important to understand the context in which he decides that Jordan is being molested. Not even Jordan's repeated denials that Michael ever touched him would dissuade Evan by this point. And I think that's mostly because, as we'll see, this was never really about Jordan at all. It was about an angry man who was seeing dollar signs. And, and I know that that seems harsh, but Evan admits as much himself in a series of recorded phone calls with David Schwartz. Can we go ahead and play that and then we can maybe discuss it a little bit? Because I'm really interested to hear this. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I want the audience to listen to this and ask yourself if this sounds like a man who genuinely believes his son was molested. This man is going to be humiliated beyond belief. He will not believe it. He will not believe what's going to happen. Beyond beyond his worst nightmares, sell one more record. This attorney I found, I mean, I interviewed several, and I picked the nastiest son of a bitch I could find. Once I make that phone call, this guy is just going to destroy everybody in sight in any devious, nasty, cruel way that he can do it. And I've given him full authority to do that. It'll be a, a massacre if I don't get what I want. If I go through with this, I win big time. I will get everything I want, and they will be, told, they will be destroyed forever. They will be destroyed. June is going to lose Jordy. She will have no right to ever see him again. Yeah. 
That's a fact, Dave. That's what's going to happen. Does that help? career will be over. Does that help, Jordan? Michael's career will be over. And does that help, Jordan? That's irrelevant to me. So did, did you catch the way he ended that, Daniel? The, the last thing said? Right. Did it, if it helps Jordy, it's irrelevant to him. That's irrelevant to me. That yeah, was yeah. Evan Chandler's response when asked if his actions helped his son. The son he claims was being molested by Michael Jackson. I'm just going to go ahead and say, if this is a man who does believe that his son has been molested, He's not very concerned with his son. I mean, I mean you can he, tell if that. he does genuinely believe his son was molested, then he just doesn't care much about his son. I mean, that's the only, it's one of the two. No, that, honestly, it's, it, it seems that way for sure. It, this man can't care very much about his son if he says that. Now, I noticed he was, he was talking about how June is going to lose Jordy. Were all of these conversations with, uh, with Jordy's stepdad? Yeah, yeah, David Schwartz. Right. Well, that that seems really threatening in that case. Yeah, absolutely. And and just to, just to clarify, at this point, June Chandler and David Schwartz were still on Michael's side. That's why he was recording these phone calls. Uh, he ended up giving them to Anthony Pelicano, who was Michael's private investigator. The, that seems like some pretty good evidence uh, for that case. I mean. He just kept saying, if I don't get what I want, if I don't get what I want. Yeah, and all he, it's clear from the very beginning that all he's concerned with is money. And, and we'll get to that in a bit, just in case there's any ambiguity here about what he wanted. Now, the attorney that Evan referred to in the call was Barry Rothman, who was a special kind of scumbag in his own right. And together, the two hatched the plan that Evan's talking about in those tape recordings with the sole intent of getting a massive settlement out of Jackson. But here's the thing. Nothing they did would really matter unless Jordan changed his story and admitted to being molested. Because at this point, Evan has denied any molestation, just to be clear. Okay. So, on July the 11th, Evan Chandler picked Jordan up for a week of visitation. And it's during this week, separated from his mother, that Evan finally admits to the abuse. But Jordan? These, yeah. Did I say Evan? You said Evan, yeah. Yeah, I meant Jordan. All right. But the circumstances under which he gave this admission were extremely shady. And and I want to point out just one more time that Evan's behavior in no way resembles that of a father who believes his son was molested. I mean, I think that's pretty clear, but just, just reiterating that. So during this week alone with Jordan, before Jordan admitted to being molested, Rothman and Evan contacted psychiatrist Mathis Abrams and presented him with a completely hypothetical story about potential sexual molestation. They wanted to know if the set of circumstances they described could point to sexual assault. And without knowing any specifics, or ever speaking with Jordan personally, Dr. Mathis sent Evan a letter claiming that, quote, reasonable suspicion would exist that sexual abuse may have occurred. Now, 
as irresponsible as this was by Mathis. And I think we can both agree it was pretty damn irresponsible. Oh, yeah. How can you say that without ever speaking to the victim? It's, it's, a, it's a good question. But he had no way of knowing that he had just handed Evan Chandler a golden ticket. And while, again, that may seem harsh, that's exactly how Evan Chandler treated this letter. He threatened to take it to the media in an effort to get a meeting with Jackson. Of course, once again, as fantastic as this letter was for Evan, Jordan was still denying any sexual abuse. So it wasn't a lot of good, right? Right. And there were only a few days left of his visitation. So he had to get Jordan to confess by the end of the week, but back before he was back with his mother and with Michael. And the methods Evan Chandler used were, frankly, disgusting. Just vile. So on the 13th of July, just a day before Jordan was scheduled to return to his mother, Evan took him to his office, allegedly to remove a baby tooth. Again, he was a dentist, right? Right, right. Immediately after Jordan awoke from sedation, Evan began pressuring him to confess to being molested. Now, according to Evan's brother, uh, Ray Chandler, in his book, All That Glitters, this is the conversation that led to Jordan's admission. And just to clarify, this is Evan speaking to Jordan. Quote, do you remember when you came over to the house, I told you that if you lie to me, I was going to destroy Michael. Jordan nodded that he did. Good. Keep that in mind, because I'm going to ask you a question. Do you care about Michael? Yes, the boy answered. You could say that you love him, right? Yes. And you wouldn't want to hurt him? No. Okay, then, let me remind you of something. Remember I told you that I bugged your bedroom? Jordy nodded. Well, I know everything you guys did, so you might as well admit it. And just to be clear right here, uh, Evan never actually bugged Jordan's bedroom. This was a complete lie. It was just part of his plan to pressure Jordy. Okay. So back, back, to the, back to the conversation. I'm going to give you one last chance to save Michael. If you lie to me, then I'm going to take him down in front of the whole world. And it'll be all your fault because you're the one person who could have saved him. So I'm going to make it very easy for you. I'm going to ask you one question. All you have to do is say yes or no. That's it. Lie and Michael goes down. Tell me the truth and you save him. Did Michael touch your penis? Jordy hesitated. Then almost inaudibly, he whispered, yes. So let's point out the obvious. There was only one answer Evan Chandler was ever going to accept here. He made that abundantly clear to Jordan. I would say so. And and I'm a bit confused here. You said he'd been under sedation to have a a baby tooth removed? Yes. That seems a bit excessive to me. Yeah. Doesn't that strike you as a bit odd? Uh, That was initially uh, reported in GQ. Now, the particular drug he was on... There's a lot of speculation about that that I don't really want to go into because we don't know. 
most people think it was probably just like laughing gas, so he wasn't wouldn't have actually been completely asleep, but just you know out of it. Right. Well, it doesn't really matter what he was on. If it was anything more than just numbing him, he he's bound to be a bit out of it when he's going through this questioning. Right, and that and that has to be intentional. Right, there's no way that this was just happenstance. Right, and, and it, he was just so intimidating as well, you know, like, this kid's laying there, you know, he's really out of it, he's really intimidating, he's he's threatening his good friend, who is, you know, this kid's hero, it's just, it, it, it's very it's very one-sided in the fact that, the, I'm sure that Jordy felt like there was only one thing he could say. Yeah, of course, I mean, yeah, again... There was only one answer that, that Evan Chandler was ever going to accept here. And he made that very clear to Jordan. I mean, pretending as though he had bugged his bedroom. You know, he told him, I want the truth, right, on the one hand. But he also told him that he already knew what the truth was, and you better not lie to me. And if you do, I'm going to destroy your hero. That, that That's not the kind of conversation you have with some with a child that you genuinely are afraid might have been molested you don't threaten them no i i just do not understand this guy like if he honestly felt that his child had been molested this is the worst parent on the planet yeah and and you know and it gets it gets a little worse actually because the the book goes on to say that after jordy says yes the conversation ends immediately Evan never asks for a single detail. It really strikes me there that he didn't, you know, at all try to comfort his child or tell him everything's going to be okay or, you know, just just try to tell him that, you know, this situation is okay. I'm going to get you out of this bad situation, right? Well, just to be clear, according to the book, he does hug him, but only after he gets the yes he's looking for. He goes immediately from being this stern authority figure to a loving father, but only after he gets the yes. Now, I'm sorry, if you if you can hear that and that doesn't strike you as weird, then I just, I don't know what to say. Well, it, it's weird, but it's also just, just a terrible parent. Terrible. And, and, and it gets worse, right? Because even after Jordan finally confessed to being molested, Evan didn't go to the police. Instead, he used his son's allegations to target a settlement with Jackson. See, he knew that if he took Jordan to a psychiatrist, that the doctor would be obligated to report the abuse to the authorities, and he didn't want that. So instead, he took the accusations directly to Michael Jackson to work out uh, a, quote, solution without the damned lawyers. Now, I, I know I've said this plenty of times, but just I, one more time. Does that sound like a man who thinks his son was molested? If, if your child was molested, Daniel, would you want to work out a solution with his no. molester or her molester? No. I would. Honestly, I'll be honest with you. I may not go to the police first. I may go to the gun safe first. Right. But I'm not going to be going after money. Of course not. And and just in case you're you're wondering if it wasn't clear what solution he was trying to work out, well, it turns out that Evan Chandler thought $20 million 
would solve things nicely. That was his prize for never reporting this supposed molestation to the authorities, which would mean preventing his son from ever getting the psychiatric treatment for his supposed sexual abuse. And it would have to mean that because, again, a psychiatrist would be legally obligated to alert the authorities. Well, how would he even be able to control if Jordy went to a psychiatrist? I, I guess that's beside the point, right? I, I, maybe, but again, at his age, how was how's Jordy going to go to a psychiatrist without his parents taking him? Yeah, I, I, I well, I, you'd think the mom would take him, right? Maybe, but again, the mother, they don't tell the mother, the mother this immediately. We're going to get to why that is in a minute, but uh, right now, Evan is the only parent figure around him. I can't imagine not either going to the police or going to to the mother and saying, we have to keep him away from Michael. There's something terrible going on, right? Right. I mean, of course, you're absolutely right, but, but we're going to get to that in a bit. Now, Evan tried to explain away seeking this solution with Jackson by arguing that $20 million would sufficiently punish Jackson while keeping Jordan out of the media. But, man, is anyone actually buying that? $20 million, that, that's never a small amount of money. But to Michael Jackson, I'm not sure that that's really punishment. Oh, no. I mean, at, compared to what he already had and what he was capable of earning, No. But, but, but just, you know, forget that for a second. Even if he was, uh, even if Evan would get an amount that would be sufficiently damaging to Jackson, what sort of parent thinks that way? What parent would not have already gone straight to the police? Well, you know, the, the parent that goes to the, the gun safe first may not, but, you know. Right. I mean, I, th- there's a significant difference there between going to the gun safe first and, and looking for to- a settlement. Right, going to the banker. Right. Okay, so so long story short, Michael rejected this generous offer. And it was only at this point that Evan finally took Jordan to a psychiatrist and got the authorities involved. This also had the effect of keeping Jordan away from his mother. You see, Evan had refused to return Jordan after his visitation, but a court order had just been signed the day before, ordering the boy to be returned to his mother. But after these allegations went public, Evan was no longer required to return Jordan, keeping him tightly under his control. And even when Jordan finally confessed his abuse to his mother, he did so over the phone, with his father right next to him. Before this, June believed that Evan had brainwashed her son, but had, but now she joins forces with Evan completely. They're all against Michael now. Well, but I mean, we, she wasn't allowed to ask any questions of Jordan. Uh, in fact, the, the only way she was allowed to see him at this point was if she agreed not to ask him questions about what Michael did to him. Like It's clear that Evan didn't want anyone else speaking with his child about this. Well, for one, I cannot imagine, you know, for June, when her son tells her that Michael's been abusing him, of, of course she's going to believe him. Right. right? But not blaming her at all. But at the same time, do we know if uh, Jordy actually told the psychiatrist 
he was abused or do we have access to that? Uh, he did. And that actually gets leaked later on, but we'll get to that. Okay. Uh, th- that is the, the report from the psychiatrist gets leaked eventually, but, but we'll get to that later. Now, despite the authorities now being involved, you know, there, there's an investigation going on, right? The Chandlers were refusing to cooperate with it. I mean, once again, it's clear that they were only interested in a settlement. And, uh, for example, after Rothman left the case due to Jackson filing extortion charges, the Chandlers hired Gloria Allred. Well, Allred gave a press conference where she claimed that Jordan was willing to testify in court. I mean, it seems reasonable, right? Right, but, but Jordan didn't testify. Well, she was fired immediately and replaced with civil attorney Larry Feldman because they didn't want Jordan anywhere near a court. Now, Feldman then filed a $30 million civil case against Jackson, and this is where the shenanigans really begin. You see, in California at this point, there was no law preventing a civil trial from coming before a criminal case. You see, in most places in the country, under most circumstances, this simply isn't allowed. It's considered a violation of the accused's right to a fair trial, right? And for Mm -hmm. good reason. The, The civil case can unfairly influence the criminal proceedings in a number of ways. Uh, Civil cases require a significantly lower standard of proof than criminal trials, and the outcome, as well as any information released during the trial, can taint a potential jury pool for the criminal trial. And the prosecution also gets a free look at the defense's strategy, which is an incredible advantage at trial, because they can adjust their case accordingly. And perhaps most damaging is the fact that Michael's deposition from the, uh, from the civil case could have been used against him in the criminal trial. So Jackson's team was doing everything in their power to delay the civil trial until after the criminal proceedings had finished, you know, like in a non-crazy world, right? And the Chandlers were doing the exact opposite. They were doing everything in their power to force the civil case ahead of the trial. Now, was this changed in California uh, shortly after that? Because I I do recall with O.J. Simpson that that civil trial took place after the criminal trial, and that was just a few years later. Right, it, it was changed, and very quickly. And this was one of the key, this case was one of the key reasons why. I, I can't imagine why you would ever let that occur any other way. I don't, I don't understand why California was that way. Before. Well, again, in most places at the time in the country, you couldn't. And it's just about universal these days that you can. Because, I mean, it can so obviously impact the, the criminal trial. Like, it's a complete violation of the defendant's right to a fair trial. So that's obviously going to pressure Michael to settle before the trial. Right. Starts. See, that was the goal. Like, their, their plan to force the civil case ahead of the trial wasn't by accident. The goal was always a big payout. And Feldman knew that Jackson would be much more inclined to settle if the civil case could impact his criminal trial. In other words, the Chandlers were using this civil suit as a gun to Michael's head. Now, after some legal maneuvering, Judge David Rothman 
sided with the Chandlers and denied Jackson's request to postpone the civil trial. And he set a court date for March 21st, 1994. And, and it's hard to underestimate just how huge of a victory this was for the Chandlers. I mean, this alone basically guaranteed that Jackson would settle. And, and it wasn't even the only factor in Michael's ultimate decision. What else was there? So th- there's quite a few. So um, as legendary defense attorney Tom Mesro pointed out, Michael Jackson had money-making opportunities all around the world, right? $20 million, as you pointed out a little earlier, while a staggering amount of money to us was basically nothing compared to the money Michael would have lost in just opportunity cost if he were forced to go to trial. Uh, And Sony was pressuring Michael to settle. You see, he had just signed the largest contract in music history with the company. And they didn't want their workhorse tied up in legal proceedings. They wanted him out doing shows, right? And again, this wasn't lost on the Chandlers. They intentionally waited to bring this suit during Michael's dangerous tour just to further incentivize a settlement. And it's also worth mentioning that the Los Angeles Police Department had strip-searched Michael during their investigation and, well, they photographed his junk. So you probably remember that video that Michael put out where he talks about this, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that would not be pleasant. Right. Michael was a very private person, and he was incredibly self-conscious. So it's not surprising that he was mortified at the thought of these pictures being passed around a courtroom. Now, the Chandlers actually omitted the photos during the pretrial phase, likely because they, you know, didn't match Jordan's description. But Jackson wasn't aware of this at the time, so this was also a huge factor. So, so yes, Michael settled the case. He paid about $15 million in a private trust for Jordan and around $5 million between the other scumbags involved in the case. But not for the reasons the media have insisted for more than 20 years. I mean, this had nothing to do with silencing a victim or paying off his accusers. And we know this because the settlement was very clear that the Chandlers were free to testify in any future criminal trial. Of course, the moment they got the money, they immediately stopped any and all cooperation with the authorities. Because, just to point out once again, this was never about justice. They got precisely what they wanted from the media and the justice system, which was pressuring Michael for a lucrative settlement. And then they had shit to say after that. That does seem more evident when you're looking at all these facts, because in the past, I remember hearing the media say, well, Michael Jackson settled. Something must have happened. Right. I mean, I'll, I'll be the first to admit, I grew up believing that, right? To me, particularly that settlement was always one of the, that was just a, a huge red flag, right? Why would you settle a case if you're innocent? Because the media never told me anything about the civil trial going before the criminal case or even about the embarrassing state of the evidence. Exactly. And you don't want someone to be able to get pictures of your genitalia in the future through a FOIA request either. So. Exactly. That, that would suck. 
no no pun intended and and i think it's a crucial point that the chandlers immediately stopped cooperating with the investigation the second they got that check i mean i know that i've been beating this dead horse all episode but does that sound like the behavior of people who think their kid was molested i mean what incentive would you possibly have because again the settlement was very clear this would not prevent them from uh, from testifying in a criminal trial so what incentive would they possibly have not to cooperate with a criminal investigation against the man they claim molested their son it actually seems to me like there would be some sort of legal ramifications for not cooperating with the investigation at that point well it's interesting that you say that because there was actually another law change as a result of this specific case with the chandlers refusing to cooperate with the investigation today in california an accuser in a sexual assault case can't pursue a civil trial right away that is if you're not willing to testify in the criminal trial you can't pursue a criminal case or sorry you can't pursue a civil case and you know in this case the criminal trial never actually happens and i'll I'll get to why in a second but part of the reason why was just that well their key witness refused to testify well i'll be honest to me i would think that you know a nine-year-old may not want to testify about something like that no i completely understand that though combined with the other circumstances now and to be clear i don't blame jordan for any of this he was a kid right he was a kid who i believe was being manipulated by his father so i'm not blaming him and, and to be perfectly honest with you, I don't think it would have mattered one bit if he had chosen to testify. Because there was a thorough investigation that included multiple raids of Neverland Ranch and other Jackson properties, uh, interviews with hundreds of witnesses, and a multi-continent search for other kids Jackson may have molested. And the authorities, well, they turned up jack shit. Uh, which explains why two separate grand juries concluded that the state lacked sufficient evidence to charge Michael. Though, for those who would have preferred a trial, like maybe you'd feel more comfortable had these facts been brought out in a court and, you know, a jury had made a decision, well, you might be interested to know that the Jordan Chandler allegations were actually allowed into the 2005 trial due to another stupid California law which allows for evidence of prior bad acts to be submitted at the time. So all of the evidence from the Chandler case was actually presented in that, in the Gavin Orviso trial, which we're going to get to in the next episode. And they were laughed out of court. Just, just one question. Did, did Jordan testify in that trial? No, no. Jordan was out of the country at this point. Wouldn't it be hearsay if, if he couldn't testify to back it up? It didn't matter. Uh, okay. they, they didn't even have to be formal charges, right? If there was even a, a rumor that you did something, that could be used as an evidence of, evidence of prior bad acts. That seems insane. but It is I, I, insane. I didn't mean to get us off topic, but that just seems really No, I mean, it's, it's important. Yeah. And that's basically it for the Chandler allegations. Now, in part two, we'll discuss the 2005 Gavin Arvizo trial along with the Robson and Safechuck allegations 
which were featured in the documentary Leaving Neverland. But, Daniel, I want to ask you, how different are the facts that we've covered today compared to what you heard growing up or what you knew about this uh, when we were kids? There's a lot of information here that I never heard about before. And this really does, I guess you could say, clarify things about why it was handled this way. And it's, it's a lot less damning than everything I heard as a child. Yeah, yeah, I, I think you're right. I mean, the media's negligence in their reporting on Michael Jackson was just abominable. I mean, for two decades or more, really, the the media, were they were basically as bad as the tabloids, right? I mean, yeah. the, these allegations that they propagated over and over again, this constant stream of misinformation, is a large part of the reason that Michael Jackson is no longer with us. I mean, can you imagine the mental strain of having a good part of the world believe that you're a child molester? No, no, that, that would be really hard, though. I would say if he was still alive when the Leaving Neverland documentary came out, it would be much harder. Oh, God, I, I, I cannot wait to get to that. There is so much misinformation in that documentary. There may be that, but I think what makes the documentary compelling is that you have, you know, personal statements from, you know, the the two accusers, right? Right. I mean, and that's something we never got from from Jordy. Yeah, because the, again, the moment they got the money, they didn't have shit to say, right? Right. And and I honestly feel like even with all this information, I can't say I would feel the same way if I did have that personal statement from Jordy that I could look at. Right. Maybe so. Now, personally, I think with the behavior of the father that it probably wouldn't change my mind at all, knowing what I know now. But yeah, I mean, at least on an emotional level, that that would it would probably have some impact. And, you know, the thing with Robson and Safechuck is I don't know if you know this, but they defended Michael for years. I mean, as we'll discuss in the next episode, uh, Robson was was uh, Tom Mesereau, who was. Uh, Jackson's attorney, he was his first witness that he brought to the stand in the 2005 trial. Right, I do remember that. Yeah, I do remember that. He was the, uh, right, at the time, he was a famous choreographer. He had just gotten off tour with NSYNC, uh, and he actually had a brief affair with uh, Britney Spears. It's what, uh, what's that song, Cry Me a River? He's, mm-hmm. what, he's the guy that that song's about. Really? Yep. Wow. Yeah, everybody thought it was Kevin Federline for years, but it later turned out that it was it was Robson. Wow. Well, I guess there's a lot to there's, get there's into. There's your random two. pop trivia, in case <laughs> anybody was curious. Yeah, but as we'll get into, like these allegations from them are so suspiciously timed, and some of the things like, that once you get the context again of where these allegations come from and what was happening in their lives at the time. It becomes a lot less compelling. I mean, that and the outright misinformation that they spew, like demonstrable misinformation. Well, I can't wait to hear that. Yeah, it's, uh, it, I'll have fun talking about that one because in my mind, that documentary is just is nothing but propaganda. But I, I'll let the viewers decide that, or viewers, listeners decide that after the next episode. Now, one last thing I'd like to point out or you know, mention before we close 
you know, I think that, again, there were very good reasons why, why Jackson settled, right? You know, he had pressure coming from Sony. He was on tour at the time. You know, there were a lot of very valid reasons. But I also think it was a mistake. And, I mean, you know, Jackson himself later regretted the settlement. I mean, it was the thing that, as we talked about earlier, was one of the, the key red flags that made most people believe he was guilty. And this is something that uh, his defense attorney in 2005 has talked about quite a bit, that Jackson's legal team, he thinks, really, you know, he, 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 you know, he says that he thinks they were doing what they thought was best for their client, but he completely disagreed, that he should have fought them and he would have won. Well, you know, you have all these other parents because Michael Jackson hangs out with children, right? And yeah. you have these other parents that see these big dollar signs, possibly, you yeah. know. Um, th- though I've got to say, you know, maybe it wasn't a mistake in the sense that you settle this, you realize it's going to open you up to further allegations, so maybe you should stop hanging out with 10-year-old kids. Well, I think that would have been good advice. I mean, unfortunately, he, he didn't take his own advice from Billy Jean. Be careful what you do, because the lie becomes the truth. But... I still don't think the evidence in any way suggests that he did anything inappropriate. I, you know, I think it's a little weird that he he built an amusement park and liked to act like a child, but that doesn't make him a pedophile, right? It doesn't make him a pedophile, though. I I wouldn't say that the relationship wasn't inappropriate, if that makes sense. I I can understand. Well, I'll say this: I can understand why people would think that it was inappropriate. But when I say inappropriate, I'm talking about molestation, right? right Maybe well, there are lesser forms of inappropriate that, that this that you know that he crossed. Right? Maybe there's some line somewhere that he crossed, but there's a far that's a far cry from pedophilia, right? Uh, no, I, I agree with you. I I'm not saying that he's necessarily a pedophile, but I do think that he he had no business being that close to other people's children. I mean, I, I tend to agree. I think it's weird. Now, I will point out that the parents were usually with him when he was hanging out with the kids. He used to bring the entire uh, these entire families to Neverland. But, but you know, we'll discuss more of that in the in the next episode because it's more like that that stuff's more uh, more appropriately covered with the Robson and Safechuck allegations. Right, because like I said, we never got a statement on this from Jordy himself. Right. So, yeah. And you know, but it, like I said, it was the settlement that set, I think, a lot of this in motion. Once you pay out, you know, between 20 and $30 million to one family, everyone else starts to think they can get a piece of that pie. And, you know, and not just that, but the other side, there, you know, there's the fact that it just makes you look more guilty. Mm-hmm. And I think that haunted him for the rest of his life. Yeah, and I'm sure you had the media always looking out for anything he did at that point. Oh, of course. You know, and, and it was really... It was a shame, too, because I genuinely believe if he had fought the uh, the civil case, he'd have won. I, I think the evidence was laughable. And, and we'll discuss that. Uh, once again, we'll discuss that more in the next episode in the 2005 case, because, you know, those allegations were brought in. But I don't see any chance that he would have lost that civil case had he actually fought it. But again, I understand why I didn't want to. Mm. And, you know. Another thing that hasn't been brought up here is, you know, maybe he didn't want to put Jordy through that case, right? 
I, I would say there's probably some truth to that. Uh, Jackson cared deeply about Jordan. Hmm. And, and maybe that had something to do with it. I don't know that Michael's ever made a statement on that one way or the other. I doubt it. But I can see that having some effect, right? Right, right. The settlement was a mistake that Jackson came to deeply regret. The media didn't care how weak the evidence against him was. They used this payout to drag his name through the mud until the day he died. Unfortunately, for all the reasons we discussed and more, Michael caved and gave the Chandlers what they wanted. But that makes him guilty of taking bad legal advice, not pedophilia. And it's well past time people realize the difference. Thank you for listening to Fact and Suspicion. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you have any feedback for us, or if you'd like to suggest a case for us to cover, we'd like to ask you to reach out to us through email at factandsuspicion at gmail.com or through Twitter at andsuspicion. Also, please like and subscribe, and if you have a friend, which I hope you do, maybe share the episode with them.